Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Tasha Radel says hello to the Adele parody song that has recently put the Twin Cities in the national spotlight. Voice of the Timberwolves' Alan Horton talks with draft-picked Chris Dunn, and I chat with Emmy-winning TV host Tom Bergeron about the annual Capital Fourth show. But first, history was made this week when Governor Mark Dayton appointed the first American Indian ever to the Minnesota Supreme Court. MNN's Bill Werner covered the story. Scott, the governor's appointee to the high court is Anne McKegg. She's a descendant of the White Earth Nation who has been a judge since 2008 in the 4th Judicial District and is the current presiding judge in family court. Before that, she was an assistant Hennepin County attorney in the Child Protection Division for over 16 years, specializing in Indian child welfare cases. She told of in 1995, attending the swearing-in of Hennepin County District Judge Robert Blazer, who ended up being the state's longest-serving American Indian judge. I didn't know him, but he was a White Earth member. And I, a proud descendant of the White Earth Nation, knew that if he could do it, that maybe I could. And it is people like him who take the time to mentor a young girl from federal damn Minnesota. And you're going to hear me say that a thousand times because it is federal damn Minnesota, population 110. Two bars, a few stop signs, a lot of fishermen. But it is people like him and his wife who have led the way that have allowed for others like me to dare to dream. So today is a historic day, not only for myself and for my family, but for all Native people. I am forever grateful to Judge Blazer, who not only became my mentor, but lucky for me, he became my friend. To him, I say, Chimiquich. So I cannot tell you how humbled I am and how much I appreciate this opportunity. It shows the commitment from the governor to the people of all walks of life. He asked me a question during the interview, and he asked me what would or does Federal Dam think about the Supreme Court? And I said they would say that it's unreachable. And so I know that's not true. I know that no one in the judiciary believes that. And I hope that today is an opportunity for the entire judiciary to send that message to all of the federal dams, whether it is the smallest town in Minnesota, whether it is a tribal community, or whether it is a large urban area rich in diversity that in Minnesota, the Supreme Court and all courts are access for everyone. Under Governor Dayton, more Minnesotans can look at judges and see themselves in the faces of those judges, adding to the accessibility to the court and embracing the diversity that makes Minnesota great. So I'm done crying now, and thank you all for being here.
That's Ann McKay, Governor Mark Dayton's newest appointee and the first Native American to serve on the Minnesota Supreme Court. This was also the week when the group Voices for Racial Justice gave the Minnesota legislature bad marks for both 2015 and 16 on efforts to reduce economic disparities in Minnesota's communities of color. Brett Grant, the group's research and policy director, says the final grade is a combination of the percentage of racial equity bills that the legislature actually passed, 27 out of 58 introduced, plus legislators' voting records. With an overall percentage of 51.88, the Minnesota State Legislature earned a grade of F on racial equity during the 2015-2016 biennium legislative sessions. This grade does not mean that good things did not happen for racial equity during the biennium. What this grade does mean, though, is that not enough was done or is being done to advance racial equity in this state. We can applaud the legislature for supporting a supplementary spending plan that includes $35 million in one-time funding for programs to help reduce racial, economic, and educational disparities. But we must also hold them accountable and say $35 million in one-time funding isn't enough. $17.5 million a year in ongoing funding, which is what the legislature approved, isn't enough. It's a start. It's helpful if utilized correctly, but it's not enough. This report card is a tool to hold legislators accountable to racial equity. It is also a tool to educate our communities about state politics and how policy functions within the process of state politics. It ought to be a wake-up call, and we ought to think twice about referring to this state as a progressive state with such a dismal record on racial equity. We asked who is at fault. There's just more work that needs to be done. So I don't think we can just point to one single person. How about a single party? Are Republicans more responsible for this poor grade than <laughs> 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 Does anyone want to answer that question? <laughs> I mean, I think if you look at the grades that people receive, that's the best answer, right? Like, let the data speak for itself. I don't think we need to make a statement about it, but you can view the whole report card online and look at the individual grades of all legislatures and you know, see what it adds up to, and you'll see the difference. That's board member Ashley Fairbanks. Voices for Racial Justice recognized 35 state lawmakers as racial equity champions for 2015 and 16, but only three Republicans were on the list. Rochester Senator Dave Sangem, Mountain Lake Representative Rod Hamilton, and former Senator Brandon Peterson from Andover. We offered House Republican leaders the opportunity to comment, but they did not respond to our request. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns in a minute. Sometimes a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects, benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at StaplesForStudents.org. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. With Adele kicking off her North American tour at St. Paul's XL Energy Center, Visit St. Paul decided it was the perfect time to introduce the city through a parody of Adele's hit, Hello. MNN's Tasha Radel explains. That's right, Scott, and I must say Visit St. Paul did a wonderful job. I'm sure many of you have heard Adele's smash hit, Hello. Well, Visit St. Paul's parody dubs this perfectly, but obviously there's a different message. Hello, Minneapolis, love St. Paul. The goal of the video is to entice Minneapolis residents to travel the seven miles across the Mississippi River into St. Paul. It's me, older twin of Minneapolis, a place you got to see. We have changed most everything. We are the center of it all. Welcome to glorious St. Paul. Hello, can you hear me? Joining me now is Adam Johnson with Visit St. Paul. Adam, my first question is, how did this idea come about? Sure, you know, it's kind of funny. It goes back to about the beginning of the year when uh, it was announced Adele would, would be playing here. and um, We have a suite uh, at the Excel Energy Center that we use to entertain clients, but the staff was kind of um, wishfully putting, uh, putting in their request for tickets, knowing that they wouldn't get them. It was reserved for clients, and I think I had written a note that said... Uh, replied to all staff that said, hello, it's me. I'd like a ticket to Adele, and if there's extra, I'll take three. And our social media coordinator responded with, you know, I really can't believe we haven't talked about a parody for this song yet. And I guess you could say from there the idea was hatched, and we spent the next couple of months tweaking lyrics, rewriting lyrics, uh, deciding we were going to do kind of a playful aim at St. Paul because Hello from the Other Side fits so good with the river running between us and so many people in Minneapolis who we felt, you know, hadn't really experienced what I would maybe call the old St. Paul. And now with so much new stuff, the new St. Paul, we wanted to kind of say, come on over. Hello, we'd love to have you on this side of the river. And so I have to ask you, uh, did your did your team just sit down at a table and, and come up with these awesome lyrics? Well, you know, since it's 2016, uh, we, we did a Google Doc, so we all had access to it from our own computers and spent a little time starting it that way. But then uh, we actually, our department, marketing department, went to the state tourism conference in Bemidji together. And on the drive back, uh, on the drive back, one of us had a laptop, and we kind of also worked in that kind of close, uh, close knit format on the ride home from Bemidji, uh, throwing lyrics out that we hope would stick. And it, you know, you kind of got to pick words that rhyme, that go with the cadence of the song. So it, w- it wasn't easy by any means, but I think we we touched on some fun stuff and you know. Tried to be tried to be fun with the lyrics at Minneapolis. Didn't want to be too harsh, but um, I think it, it it made for a made for a fun little video. I have to ask: Did you guys just feel silly in a car sitting there uh, jamming out uh, the the Adele song and making it your own? It was. I think we had hit the repeat button on the song about probably a hundred times uh, because you're trying to sing the words that we want to put into it, but you want to hear Adele actually sing the real words to see if the see if the syllables fit and match up. So. Uh, so that was quite interesting. But then, you know, we had four of us, um, none of us really versed in, in actually singing whatever we would eventually come up with on lyrics. So reached out to a former intern of mine, uh, Savannah D'Amico, who plays actually in a band locally and said, 
Savannah, we know you're a St. Paul girl. We got this crazy harebrained St. Paul idea. Would you be willing to sing these lyrics that we come up with for an Adele Hello parody aimed at Minneapolis? And she was in Hook, Line, and Sinker, so she sang the song and then gave us a file, and we laid it down to what we, uh, the video we made and had a lot of fun with it, really. And what has been your reaction once it hits social media? To me, it's looking like you're getting great response. It, it has been a good response. You know, uh, the St. Paulites really love it. A lot of people who follow, uh, who, who have moved away from St. Paul for one reason or another, really made them miss St. Paul. I think the, the, the diehard Minneapolis folks, you know, said it was the best video to come out of uh, the largest Minneapolis suburb. <laughs> Is that what um, they're, they're saying? They're continuing to have fun with it, but uh, have not heard from Adele's camp yet. But um, I think, you know, everyone's everyone's trying to have a good time with it, and uh, surely the... I think we're almost at about 75,000 views across Facebook and, and YouTube here in the first 36 hours. So it's been uh, it's been more successful than any piece of content we've created in the past. So we're having fun. And, you know, I have to bring this up for our listeners in outstate Minnesota. Uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis have kind of always had this uh, cross-river rival, so to speak. And it seems like you guys and you between the two sides have a lot of fun kind of poking at each other and trying to get each other into your city. We do, you know. You would think the Mississippi River was uh, was uh, 75 miles wide, given the uh, how Minneapolis folks tend to hang in Minneapolis and St. Paul folks tend to hang in, in St. Paul. But uh, that's why we came up with that, uh, sure, there's a difference between us, but, but only seven miles. Just highlighting the fact that, you know, seven miles away, you know, for St. Paulites, there's great stuff in Minneapolis for St. for, for uh, Minneapolis folks, there's great stuff in St. Paul, and you know the the chorus line of it's it's time to cross the great divide really speaks to there's just a river between us. It's time to get over the river and, and hang out in each other's cities. Um, you know we we have a lot of fun going back and forth. There's there's the mayors have I think a good time going back and forth. We do know I think at the end of the day we're better together um, as a destination, but I think it's still fun kind of as what I would think uh, twin siblings would do, just kind of razzing each other as they go through life. All right. Well, before I let you go, Adam, any any final words here this morning? You know, I just watch it, enjoy it. Uh, it was not, you know, we've heard from some folks that say, you know, Hawaii wasn't such and such a place included. I, I tell people if we didn't include everybody in that video that should have been in that video, it would have been the longest video in the history of online videos. So, um, it's meant to just kind of wet the palate, get people excited about St. Paul and, and come over and experience everything that we have uh, going on over here. So we hope people watch it, watch it a few times and enjoy it um, and know that uh, we're more than we're more than ready to say hello as they uh, arrive in St. Paul. Thanks again to Adam Johnson with Visit St. Paul. Back to you, Scott. Hello. Hello, Tasha. Yes, I'm here. Thank you for that report. More Minnesota Matters after this. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast, F-A-S-T, the sudden signs of a stroke, and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911. F-A-S-T, face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911. 
The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. doing your surgery is over oh it's over what happened hi mr detweiler dr newman here you have a new knee it went great you'll be up and around before you know it and it's all because of you uh what did i do you were captain of team detweiler you told us everything we needed to know your medical history your allergies and prescription meds you asked me tons of questions what your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even asked me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh, I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Timberwolves drafted Providence College product Chris Dunn in the first round of last week's NBA draft. The playmaker was the fifth overall selection and has quite a story. When he was younger, his mother was in jail, his father was not around, so he and his brother basically raised themselves. His father later re-entered his life and things are going well now. Alan Horton is the radio voice of the Timberwolves and earlier this week he sat down with the newest member of the Timberwolves. You've gone through a lot in your life. How how much does it mean when you're able to celebrate with your older brother and your dad and your stepmom and, and the family? It means a lot, you know. I always tell people without them, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here today with you. You know, uh, we've been through a lot of ups and downs from early years to me in high school to me in college, you know. And when I was down, nobody was around, but my family was always there. So, you know, that's the love and support that they have for me, and I appreciate everything they've done for me. It's really an incredible journey. At one point, you and your brother were fending for yourselves at a young age. Your mom was in jail. Uh, your dad enters your life and, and moves you to Connecticut. Your mom passes away. And then on the court, you go through some shoulder injuries. As difficult as all those things were to go through, how did they make you a stronger person? I think, you know, everybody in my family are strong individuals, you know. Um, you know, they worked hard for everything they done, you know, and they try to, you know, put that on me and keep me fighting, keep me motivated. And, you know, at one point in time, I was down on myself, but, you know, you got to keep moving. You know, life goes on. And, you know, the fact that my family was there, you know, keep me driven. I mean, it was probably one of the best things ever. You did a cool feature with the NBA, taking them back to your hometown of New London, Connecticut. Uh, and what came away from me for that piece was that you're really proud of where you grew up and kind of honed your game. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all started at. And, you know, if anybody ever been in London, you know, they show so much love and support. You know, they took me and my family in, you know, in high school, middle school, and they just showed a lot of love. And, you know, it's a small town, very mm -hmm. small. So I know everybody, you know. I could go house to house and tell you families, you know, and it's just love. And that's the biggest thing. And the fact that they show so much love to me and my family, I just want to give it all back. How much of your game developed on some of those courts that uh, that you showed in that piece? Oh, uh, a lot. You know, uh, I used to, after school, you know, most people went to go do their homework. I used to go right to that court first, you know, mm -hmm. and work on my game because I knew all the older guys would be out there. 
And, you know, in order to get better, you got to play against the best. And, you know, there was a lot of great players out there. And, you know, I had to attack them. After spending four years at Providence, um, playing for three-plus years, do you think you're better prepared and maybe the transition to the NBA will be a little bit easier than maybe if you were 18, 19 years old? Uh, definitely. You know, uh, that's the reason why I went back to school, you know, get my college degree and just be a kid one more time. You know, this lifestyle, I don't think I would have been ready last year. You know, uh, everything's going right now. It's going so crazy. But I feel like because I'm more mature mentally that, you know, I'm handling it even better now, you know, for having that one more year under my belt. You said you're eager to learn from a guy like Ricky Rubio who plays your position at the point guard spot. What impresses you about uh, what you know about Ricky's game? I think everybody knows his passing ability. You know, he's that's one of his key strengths. And, you know, I'm a pass first point guard. And, you know, his vision on the court, you know, I'm going to definitely try to, you know, ask him a lot of questions and, you know, just try to pick his brain, tell me what he sees, you know, how he leads the team and what he sees during the pick and rolls and all those things. So, I mean, I can't wait to work with him. How about the rest of this roster? You've got Wiggins, you've got Towns, you've got Levine, Shabazz Muhammad, Gorgie Jang. There's a lot of talent. Does it get you excited thinking about playing with some of those guys? Definitely. I mean, I think practice is going to be very competitive because so many, so many great players on that, you know, on this team. And, you know, Towns, I think he set the bar high, you know, winning Rookie of the Year, have a chance to be an All-Star very soon. You know, Zach Levine, he's a phenomenal player, you know, and very athletic. You know, Andrew Wiggins, he won Rookie of the Year at his one point in time in his career. So, I mean, there's so many great things to this team. You know, I just can't wait to play with them. But, you know, I'm ready to get to work. You know, uh, I don't want to take, you know, too long of a vacation because uh, I don't want to lose, you know, my conditioning, my strength, and, you know, my repetitions in the court. So, you know, uh, the vacation might have to hold off. Chris, appreciate the time. Welcome to the Wolves. Thank you. Appreciate you. That's Chris Dunn of the Timberwolves with Alan Horton on Minnesota Matters. We'll be back with more right after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What tape? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Immensely likable Emmy-winning TV personality Tom Bergeron hosts the upcoming A Capital Fourth on PBS. It airs locally on the 4th at 7 p.m. I recently had a chance to chat with Bergeron about the special and about his remarkable career. What sets A Capital Fourth apart from some of your other high-profile hosting jobs? Well, look at the venue. I'm, I'm uh, live TV, which I love, but I'm, I'm walking on stage. It's the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol, the 4th of July in Washington, D.C. Hundreds of thousands of people uh, out there for the, for the show and the fireworks and the Capitol 
I'm looking at it from the stage. I'm looking at the U.S. Capitol. It's just amazing. I've, I've often said that even on a humid July night in Washington, that's a vantage point that gives you goosebumps. And Tom, of course, this is an election year, and we've been hearing about the presidential election for what seems like a few years now. I'm just wondering, oh, does... it? it's, it's, there's a presidential election? Wait a breaking, minute. I, breaking news. I'm so behind, <laughs> so behind the curve. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, does, does politics in any way uh, make its way into this show? Well, in the, only in the sense that um, I, I think, for me, and, and I think this is an important distinction... This is an opportunity to have a nonpartisan party, and that's true every year. But in an election year, particularly as divisive as this election year has been and is likely to continue to be, it's important to remember that we have more in common than things that separate us. And I was, I was telling somebody recently that I, I managed to snag a ticket to Hamilton on Broadway, which, of course, tells the story not only of Alexander Hamilton, but more broadly, the, the birth of our country. And uh, it was no picnic back then, either. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a bunch of kumbaya people, you know, just in powdered wigs making the, the thing happen out of whole cloth. You were talking about uh, really uh, divisive feelings and strong emotions, and, uh, and I think that it, it just bears... Um, it's good for us to remember that, particularly in the midst of all this, that we can find common ground. And in this case, it'll be the West Lawn of the Capitol. As diverse as your hosting gigs have been, I was hoping you wouldn't mind if I asked you about a few of the other things that you've done no, in addition to a Capitol Fourth. Sure. First of all... It seems like you've hosted everything at one time or another, so I'm wondering, what, what do you think makes you such a good host? Well, I th one of the things I, I try to do is find, first, respect whatever the format is, whether it's a, a game show format like Hollywood Squares, a clip show like America's Funniest Videos, or a sort of variety show uh, like Dancing with the Stars, to, to respect those formats, and then find ways that I can sort of infuse my own sensibilities and personality uh, into it. But, but I think I've been, uh, it's hard to kind of analyze one's own, one own self, but I think I've been fairly adaptable to a variety of, of formats, even going back to when I would fill in on Good Morning America or do more news-focused or talk shows that uh, I'm fairly flexible in that regard, thankfully. So then it's just a matter of finding how do you, how do you put your own personality into it. My family, we're all big fans of Dancing with the Stars, and so I have to ask, what would, uh, what would fans of the show be most surprised to learn about the show that we don't see as it unfolds? Well, I think that sometimes between the, the dress rehearsal, which happens just a few hours before the live show and the live show, sometimes we're all just standing around going, there's no way that's going to work. <laughs> you know, whether it's a complicated set or a dance number that hasn't quite come together. Uh, and, and it's fascinating to watch what performance adrenaline does between the dress rehearsal, which is usually our R-rated version of the live show, <laughs> and the live show 
what those what what that performance adrenaline uh, is able to pull off. It seems to me like with a live show like that, you must be under a lot of pressure to keep things uh, going as smoothly as they possibly can. How do you deal with that pressure? Well, I I don't feel it. and I'm not. I'm not being glib. I really don't. I, it, it's my favorite part of the day. For whatever reason, the way I'm wired, I love it. I love going out on a live TV set, be it there or Capital Fourth, and just being open to whatever happens. And I've been afforded a lot of opportunities to to appreciate that over the 11 years we've done the dancing show, and and with uh, Capital Fourth, that moment where I, where I first take the stage. And I can kind of drink in that experience of all the people in that unique location in the Capitol building. I don't feel a pressure. Uh, maybe I should, but I, <laughs> but I don't. It just feels like fun. You've also, uh, your career has uh, allowed you to work with the Muppets as well. Can you tell me, what is that like? Oh, that's the best. They, they are just such a wonderfully talented uh, group of performers. And in fact, the last time I was the host of the Capitol Fourth, they were, they were with me, and Steve Whitmire, who does Kermit, and, and the whole gang, they share my love for improvisation, and, uh, and it's, just, it's just such fun. And, and interestingly, people think, well, if, if the, the Muppeteer is right at your feet, you probably get distracted. You don't. They're so good at infusing those Muppets with, with character and life, you forget about the human beings uh, <laughs> who are crouched down by your feet. We'll be looking forward to seeing you at a Capital Fourth. Anything else you want to let viewers know uh, before the Capital Fourth happens on the 4th of July? Just make sure you're by your television sets uh, to, to watch our show because y- you don't want to hear about what you missed from your friends. <laughs> uh, thanks, Tom, so much for your time. I really appreciate you it. You bet. My pleasure. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks again for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.